of the five, but also kind of doesn't. Because, like, um, the other day we were talking about how um, my chauffeur almost killed me um, point, driving back to Madison. And, like, it kind of caught the end of the story, but I don't know. It's I've been told it's more organic when we start like this rather than, like, just waiting till five and counting down. So, hence why I've been yeah. talking for now 17 seconds. Yeah, that's a good point. Mine always, I think, like, you know, it's got, like, the uploading thing in the corner. Mine always yeah, takes, yeah. like, a couple seconds before it gets off 0%. I don't really know what it means, but I try not to talk until it, like, has a number. Yeah, that's fair. I, I, I don't know why. But... <laughs> oh, never mind. <laughs> the, last, the last couple episodes have been really weird for editing-wise. They've just been, like, coming in kind of strange. But, like, it ends up working fine. I, I totally think the Riverside is, still, like, a good, like, overall thing, like, what we film on. But generally, like, it's been weird lately. But, Are you still um, running ads at the end of the podcast? Yeah, I mean, we we technically <laughs> fell out of quali- uh, qualification wise because we haven't posted yeah, right. like a couple weeks, but we'll, we'll get back to it uh, obviously with this season and stuff like that. But we have officially made a dollar each, like on this We're show. Pro- so. Professional Just podcasters. Saying, we are so, professional podcasters. I'm so proud of you guys. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, so keen keen eared listeners would realize that we are not alone today, um, as she has uh, made herself known. Could our guests give a introduction to themselves? Uh, yeah. Cue us up. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm Kayla. I've, uh, I'm a exotic dancer, stripper, whatever you want to call it. Um, I've been doing it for about seven months now, and it's really fun. And I was invited to talk about it, and I love talking about it, sometimes too much. I'm obsessed. <laughs> Hell Because um, <laughs> it's a really fun job, and I love it so much. But also, for anyone listening, like, I want to say these are my experiences and everyone has different experiences and like any generalizations I make is like wrong. Cause like, it's very different for everyone, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. absolutely. But yeah, she, uh, yeah. Today is um, a very special holiday. Um, here on uh, TLGR, we celebrate a lot of them as I've mentioned before, but some of them get overlooked in the national like news media sphere, especially ones that are important as today is because it is national sex workers day. And we'll be celebrating such by getting firsthand uh, accounts of someone that works in that industry. Because as as much as I applied to try to be in it, I uh, they must have just lost my application in the mail and stuff like that. So I uh, started doing this instead, where you only hear me. Um, but yeah, we're we're going to talk about that. Um, obviously, uh, coming from the different stances that me and Griffin both take, obviously we have a very similar opinion. But we will discuss that as we get a little bit closer to it. Um, for now, um, we'll talk about the news for a few minutes and then we'll get into the actual bulk of the episode. Cause that's far more interesting to hear. I am guaranteed by everyone else, but, um, yeah, there hasn't been, this is actually one of the slowest, slower news weeks, I would say since we started, like we started this at a very decent time, which is strange for being a non-election year. We've had a lot of political news in the last six months. Um, but this week specifically has not had a whole lot. I, I knew we were coming into this episode celebrating this. I've had this on the calendar for a while. Um, I actually uh, reached out to Kayla a long time ago about this, so I was surprised to see if she remembered or anything like that. But um, um, so yeah, the only the only thing that I really have of note this week is talking about the debt ceiling. Now, obviously, I'm not uh, qualified to talk about it because I'm a dumbass. But basically, uh, both the House and the Senate, after discussions with President Biden, kind of came to an agreement to pass the debt ceiling. That way, we could borrow more money. Otherwise, we would have defaulted today, actually, uh, on June June fifth. So. Um, it passed the House. I think it was like 149 Democrats and 113 Republicans or something like that voted yes. And then the Senate was 60 something to 30 something. The only notable voting wise, I would say, are the most of the progressive caucus held out. I think I know AOC did in the House and so did Bernie in the Senate. So that's really all I have of note. I know that 
both sides are trying to decide who was screwed over harder. I think we talked about that a little bit last week, but it's basically just been hashtags ever since uh, the original um, negotiations came through where, oh, Kevin was giving up so much. Oh, Biden was giving up so much. But regardless, I think, and Griffin, we uh, we might disagree on this, but I don't see uh, Mr. Mr. McCarthy lasting too much longer as speaker before they vote his ass out of there. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I agree with you. I think if um, Matt Gates and the far-right caucus had any sort of backbone to them, he would have already been out. Um, Lauren, Boberg, Lauren Boberg, first of all, her missing the vote was hilarious. I said that to my mom because she hates her with a passion. Uh, she's the worst. Um, that was awesome. Yeah, I I could see maybe, you know, like Matt Gates or Boberg or some of, some of the other crazy, the craziest of the crazies, maybe stirring something up. But I don't, I don't really see it getting anywhere because I think they kind of understand that it's never going to be anybody but Kevin. Like, they're right, just right. going to hold the whole house hostage and nobody's going to like that. So, Kayla, to, to ask someone from a non-nerd perspective who actually, like, follows this shit, um, like, from a normal position, like, do you have any insight into or any, like, opinions on it? Have you heard anything, like, from the, the, the normal people of the world? Not really. I feel like a lot of the specifics of that I hear very little like just in passing or stuff like i feel so dumb right now listening to you guys (laughs) no don't 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 worry we're we're trust me we're the weirdos here okay i'm debatable but okay yeah i don't have much to say i I haven't heard much about this and it's i don't even know some of these names you're bringing up so i'm sorry that i can't offer any perspective on that i see but i yeah you actually gave us a really good perspective because i mean from like a normie approach i don't like, it simultaneously got a lot of coverage and didn't. Like, it was kind of like when they had nothing else to talk about, they, like, mentioned the debt ceiling. And then everybody just kind of forgot about it. it. It was like, oh, this is really important. It really matters. And then they just stopped talking about it. Because it's also, like, what what are the normies going to do? Like, yeah, yeah. You, can, you can, like, oh, call your representative to tell them how strongly you feel about the budget reconciliation package. No, yeah, it's it's because it's not a culture war issue. Nobody cares about the budget. Nobody's ever cared about the budget. It's been raised every time for the last eighty years. No, yeah, no one gives a like a solitary shit. Nobody cares. Nobody has ever cared about the debt or the budget. I don't care about the debt or the budget. (laughs) No, no, I I don't. I don't either. Uh, And like, obviously, coming from a hyper political stance that me and you have, and I assume the normie stance also. Kayla can speculate on it as well, but. Yeah, no one really cared. I mean, it was kind of like a thing, like, oh, are they going to pass it or are they not? Like, because what, the thing is, too, like, I feel like a lot of normies, a lot of older normies should have cared about it a little bit more. The simple fact, like, the first thing that wasn't going to get paid if we would have would have defaulted today was Social Security. So, like, I feel like that part of it was, but, like, people were, people were it was always going to get raised. There was no re- there was no reason to even talk about it. Like, I don't know. I, I, didn't, I didn't see a path, kind of like how I don't see a path towards... Um, obviously a little bit of tangent. I don't see a path towards Trump re-election the same way I don't see a path that we would have defaulted, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think, like, from the first time I heard it, it even to, like, it passed, like, I, I was never worried about it because I, I knew it was always going to get raised. It was always going to get raised. It was just how much either side was going to have to give up to raise it. It, it was right. always going to get raised. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree. You had mentioned that you have a fun, a way more fun story than that. Oh, yeah. So, uh, speaking of holidays that we celebrate, you know, happy uh, National Sex Workers Day. But yesterday was uh, 
was a, a glorious holiday. It was Killdozer Day. Of course. Um, for those of you who don't know, Killdozer happened on uh, June 4th, 2004, when uh, American automobile muffler repair shop owner Marvin John Hemeyer, he got fed That's up. Name. He was done. Um, he, he was 52-year-old man, small business owner in a small town of Granby, Colorado, and he was uh, starting to get sick of his town shit, you know? He's like, these, these fuckers are corrupt. They, they don't give a fuck about me. They're, they're fucking me over. So naturally, he had the reasonable response of adding uh, multiple-inch-thick armor plating, pouring concrete into it, and like completely sealing it in with cameras on the outside on a bulldozer, <laughs> basically turning it into an impenetrable tank. Of course. Um, and then he destroyed the town. He, he ran over the bank and the town hall and the police station and a few other things. Just went to town. Like, the police, they couldn't stop him. I mean, it was an impenetrable tank. And that eventually... he's based. Yeah, he, he's based. Uh, he, he, did, he, he did it. You know, we all thought it, he did it. Um, he's a hero. <laughs> and um, he went on this little rampage, and they, uh, they finally, uh, you know, cornered him, and he ran out of gas before he uh, took his own life inside of the killdozer. But they, I mean, it took them, after he um, took his own life, it, it took them multiple hours to get into the killdozer without him resisting. That's insane. I, I, you know, and and I'd love to hear Kayla's opinion on this too, but even I didn't know about that. Obviously, I, I had heard like the rumors of Killdozer before. I thought it was kind of more of like an urban myth, kind of like Tunnel Bob of Madison. But like, apparently, he's real. Like, so yeah, he just went nuts. He just started like if you Google images of Killdozer, it's awesome. It's so cool. Did he did he release like a manifesto or something? Uh, I think it was just like a, yeah. He basically just said he was pissed off at the corrupt people in the town and just went nuts. Well, it's either that or you should go out and fucking vote. <laughs> yeah. They're both, they're both he equally, actually acted. Can I ask, exactly. do you think Tunnel Bob is an urban myth? I did for a long time. I, I, I generally oh, okay. thought that he wasn't real, but I, I've seen him. I, 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 was, I was playing to my long-term roommate or my short-term roommate for the summer here that he is, in fact, real. And I've seen him get in and out of the tunnel before. So you have? I've just seen mm-hmm. him around. I've just seen him around, just hanging out. But he, yes, for anyone, for anyone that's not um, who doesn't go to Ma- uh, Madison, like where we go to, um, Tunnel Bob is this notable figure um, in the UW Madison lore. And I, I'm not 100 percent familiar with the story. I, I, I think he went here back in the day. If from, someone told me, uh, Kayla, do you know this actual like story of him or anything? No, but I do know there was like a documentary made about him like going in a no way a little not like not i don't think it was like professional but there was like a video like some like student documentary or something there's like a yeah, video of him like talking about going into the tunnels and stuff and like what i mean yeah, you could google cool. tunnel bob he pops up oh yeah he, he's got he, his he own is, wikipedia of course he does <laughs> everything has a wiki bro he's got I'm a uw alumni uh he's got a uw alumni page okay so he, so he did go here i, I was right He's but, made it his duty to the patrol the tunnels as a kind of steam tunnel tourist. Respect, yeah. He, he's a very wholesome. He's a very nice man. From every time I've interacted with him, he's not. He's, he gives. He obviously the first initial. Obviously, you pulled on for the first time as a picture wise. He might look a little discouraging, but he's a very friendly guy. And yeah, he just he, he roams the sewers or roams the tunnels of Madison. He's he's ready to go. But I'm, I'm glad I actually had someone that went here to verify that. What he a was man! Telling the truth. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, um, we'll get into more of the media episode. This will be a little bit longer of an interview because we have 
very interesting like to talk about. And you said you like to talk about it a lot, so you're definitely came to the right spot. Um, so we're going to talk about the sex work industry as a whole. Obvious, um, so, and I want to preface this, Griffin can add on to this too. We are both um, 100% pro-sex work. Sex work is work, absolutely. It's, in my opinion, one of the most like liberating things that I think that someone can take like responsibility of to be a job with. Um, so yeah, we're, we're going to talk about it, but we're all kind of a little twist. And it was actually Griffin's idea, so I'd love for him to explain it. Yeah, so we've had a... The, the biggest complaint we've received about the show is we, we have no discourse because me and Cameron are the same branch of nerd and we agree on everything. Absolutely. And uh, this topic is no exception. Um, as Cameron said, sex work is work. Uh, 100% pro-sex work. Uh, I am going to – we're going to try something a little different today. And uh, I'm going to play a little devil's advocate. Just kind of – not really. But I'm just going to kind of throw out some of the, you know, like opposition talking points or some of those, you know, some of the points people try and make uh, in opposition to sex work. Just – you know, more to kind of discuss why those either aren't good points or kind of like, provide a counter and alternative to those. Yeah. And uh, Kayla, you are going to be our uh, beaconing rod for this test subject. So I hope that's all good on there. And I, I can't imagine you'll be hearing any questions you don't get asked all the time, but this is mostly for a, a little bit of a wider audience. So, oh yeah, really, really excited to talk about it. Um, yeah, of course. <laughs> so, so you said you started about seven months ago. Is that right? Seven, eight months. I don't know. I try and act like it's shorter than it is because people at the club like new girls more than old girls. So mm. I try and act like I'm newer than I am, but I think it's like seven or eight months. Is is that like a, is that kind of like a, a house policy in the sense of like, do people stay there for years or is it kind of like you need new blood so people only stay there for like X amount of time before they leave? I mean, like there are girls who have been at the club since it basically opened like nine years because it used to be under a different name, the club that I do work at. But there have been girls that have been working there for like eight or nine years, like a very, very long time. Um, the thing is, a lot of girls work at multiple clubs. So they might take a break and go to a different club for a while and then come back like months or maybe even a year later. Like, right, right. So very, very, not very often do people like fully quit a club unless they're like moving because they might come back to it if they decide they want to go to that club again, you know? Yeah, for sure. Is that um, in any way different? I will I kind of like spend a little bit like um, obviously if you like work at McDonald's and then if you quit McDonald's and you like give them your two weeks, you leave and then you come back after, say, like you moved or something like that or you go to a different one, you have to file out the same paperwork. Is that kind of similar to that or is it mostly just kind of you walk in and kind of start working kind of thing? Um, It depends. I think I don't remember the time cutoff, but I think it's like six months to a year. If you come back within that time frame, you just come back and you're fine. And you don't have to do any new paperwork. You don't have to do anything unless, like, the con contract has changed and you have to, like, re-sign it or whatever. But um, if you if it's been longer than, like, a year, I don't remember the exact time again, but, like, probably about a year. If it's been longer than that, you have to re-audition and re, like, fill out your paperwork and everything is what I've heard. Okay. Interesting. That, uh, you, you mentioned, you said audition? Like, like, did you have to do an initial audition to, like, get the job? Yeah, that was the scariest moment of my life. Um, <laughs> sitting in the parking lot, heart beating. And you, so for the audition, like, I just went in and I was like, hey, I'm here to audition. And they're like, okay. Once a club opens up, they call you up on stage. And so I work at a full nude club. So I had two songs and I had to get naked by the second song in front of an open club. Oh, wow. 
and just show them what I could do. And then they, they tell me if I got the job or not. And I can, I ended up working that night. Um, that is uh, quite the higher. That is, yeah, yeah, wow. Um, they really just, really just throw you into it. Yeah, because I mean, most girls who try out there have worked at other clubs before, but I haven't, and some of the other girls haven't. So it's a very nerve-wracking experience, like just being like, "Yeah, I'm just going to show everyone every square inch of my body," you know? Absolutely. Besides the shoes, right? Do you have the decency to keep yeah, the I shoes keep- on? I keep yeah. my shoes on. Oh, I have God. some nice, like, like knee-high socks that I like wearing so that my feet don't hurt as bad. And then I have my garter belt, and that's all that I really keep my garter belts, and that's all I really keep on the whole day. The rest of it comes off at some point. Okay, so we've crossed the line here. You said it was full nude, and I'm, you're saying if I go there, I can't even see calf right now? Like, because you got ankle-high socks? What is going on here? Not cool. Just, okay. <laughs> it's just me, okay? And for your information, a lot of the men that come in love my socks. You ever have to sell, do you ever sell them? No, I've thought about that. I that really hey, have. that's some extra cash. Extra cash. Yeah, I thought about that, but like, like I have an OnlyFans as well. So I could also do it through my OnlyFans. Yeah, I, don't know. I, I, I read something, you know, it could be complete bullshit. I don't know, but like, is selling bathwater like a legitimate like thing? Is that something that happens? Is it real? Um, I have not heard of anyone doing that. Person, like obviously, like like you hear like Bella Delphine or whatever her yeah. name is, like selling that stuff, and like some of my friends, like very few of them, also do like they'll sell panties or stuff like that. People definitely buy it, but it's just kind of a very niche interest. So okay. like it's hard finding demand for that unless like you really put an effort and try and search for people like that. So it's not as common. I mean, there are weird niche things though. Like one guy that comes into the club wanted a video of one of my friends shitting over the camera. Oh. Respect. I mean, obviously, I'll put in the description of no kink shaming, but... Yeah, no, yeah, well, yeah, no, no, hey. no kink shaming. It's just, like, you see some strange things. You meet some weird people that are into very different strange things, and, like, there's definitely demand, but it's just about having enough demand and people with enough money with that demand to be able to, like, make it worth it, and I don't know if that's always the case. Would you say you're... I'm going to call them clientele, for lack of a better word, off the top of my head. Are they they generally, you know, like, normal people, or are they weird, or, like... Um, it varies, because, like, it definitely varies throughout the week, because weekends, there's more, like, partiers, and you'll usually, like, the average age range on a weekend is maybe, like, 30, 35, but on a weekday, it's usually the older people that come in, because they're just there for the women, whereas, like, partiers, like, want to hang out with friends and stuff. The older people, like, on weekdays, the average age is maybe, like, 45, 50. That's and because divorce court took my goddamn life. The divorce court <laughs> pipeline is truly the most horrific thing on this planet. Yeah, the amount of men that that mention their, their wives or ex-wives or newborn children or children older than me, like, after a dance is very unsettling. <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, is uh, would would you say like uh, kind of to harken back to Griffin's question too, um, for the like the actual like the clientele aspect, um, they would you said they were mostly like like the the age wise and like obviously the probably the creepier guys are during there during the week. Has there ever been any like instance of like where it was too like too much or anything like that? 
I mean, there are moments. It's usually, like, like there's always going to be some creepy people. There's some people who push their boundaries, some people who treat you purely as an object, some people who just push the limits. But, like, usually if there's one or two, it's manageable. You can avoid them. Or if you're okay with it, there are other people to help with your sanity. Um, but there are times when, like, I'll get, like, a champagne room, which is, like, this half-hour room. Um, where they can, like, touch you. Obviously, there are limits to where they can touch you, but I've been stuck in those rooms with some very weird men, um, men that have been so old, I've been afraid they will have a heart attack if I give them a lap dance. Um, (laughs) A man, just actually this last weekend when I worked, he spent the whole time talking about how he wanted to lick my armpit. Oh. Um, (laughs) So, like, there are some moments where you kind of feel a little trapped and you just have to push through, but... Usually you can kind of get away if they're being weird. With those champagne rooms, like, is that up to you? Are you allowed to, like, say no, like, decline to do it, or? There are general rules that the club follows. I mean, the club I work at is pretty good about following rules, and they're pretty strict. Some clubs you kind of have to defend yourself, and you make up your own rules for what's allowed. Um, this club, it's there are specific rules about where you can touch, what you can't do, what you can do. And you can even beyond that be like, actually, I'm not comfortable with this. Like, so there are club boundaries and then there are your boundaries and you have to at least follow the club boundaries, but you can have more boundaries beyond that. So like, say like you were uh, out on the uh, SRO, I know how it works. Um, You're out doing your thing and the guy's being kind of creepy and the same creepy guy wants to like have you for a champagne room. Can you say no and not do it? Yeah. You're an independent Uh contractor. So at least this is the club I work at again. This is... (laughs) This is the only club I work at, so I don't fully know how it compares to others, but I'm an independent contractor, so my only commitments are going up on stage when they call me up, Uh, and that's basically it. Like, I could sit in the back all I want. I can always reject dances. I can always, like, literally just not talk to anyone basically my whole shift. I can do whatever I want because the more effort I put in, the more money I make, and either way, the club is making, um, I'm paying them house at the end of the night. So they're making money from me either way. At least, the, at least the wage depression is is like completely explicit there. Like you have to give them a house. Yeah, it's such bullshit. You're obviously generating like all the value and everything like that. Um, but to, to to your earlier point too, it, it almost sounds like it definitely sounds to me like a far more um, freeing workplace in comparison, obviously to like an office job stuff like that. But it definitely, like, you kind of, like you said, you set your own boundaries. You're an independent contractor. You set, like, what you're comfortable with, what you're not comfortable with, and your boss can basically do nothing about it except for, like, the house rule stuff. Is that, like, would you say that experience is, this has been the most freeing job that you've had, or is there something, like, in addition to that? A hundred percent. Because not only that, but I can set my own schedule. I can say, this is when I'm working this week. I can say, you know what, I'm not going to work for the next two months. I can say, I'm, I can just show up at open, I can show up later, I can leave early, if I, but you have to like pay them if you want to like show up later or leave early. You have to pay them a bit more. But like you can come and go kind of as you please, and you can also like, sometimes I'll go into work and it's kind of slow and I just hang out with friends and we goof around and it feels like going out with friends and it's just very like, doesn't always feel like a job to me. Because I'm just, and even when I'm with customers, like, sometimes I'm just having great conversations. Sometimes they'll buy a room and we'll just talk. And all they want to do is talk to me and, like, talk about life topics, religion, politics, etc. And, like, 
it just doesn't feel like a job a lot of the time. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Like this is yeah. where I don my uh, back to the political nerd stuff and like my conspiracy theorist uh, hat too, in the sense of like <laughs> looking like America. Look at this industry. Like this is truly like the most the closest merit, meritocratic system that we have in the workplace for sure. Um, and it's genuinely like the a very. It seems at least to you. I know a lot, there are probably some examples of people that don't feel the same way in the sense of like it definitely seems more freeing than a lot, a lot of like corporate America and stuff like that. So the conspiracy aspect comes like, well, that's most like most likely why we demonize a lot of it, especially societally stigmatized because like it's too much worker autonomy because we all know that (laughs) the capital owners love uh, making sure that they feel as like diminished as possible. I definitely, you know, see that it's like on the conspiracy theory side, but I mean, I feel like in America, especially the the reason it's demonized is just our you know our our Christian value set is you know it's quote unquote immoral to expose yourself like that to people you know I, obviously you know we don't we do not share those same values but it's kind of this whole idea that oh cover up kind of thing and not express yourself, which is strange to me for the sense of like obviously you look at a lot of early Christian art there was. There were, like, dicks and n- nude women all over. Like, the Statue of David? Like, what are you talking about? You, it's, it's very much, I would say, like, I don't even know, like, where that mostly came in. Was it more, like, just, like, after, like, the passing of Orthodoxy and just throughout, like, because early Christianity was definitely very liberating, for sure. Yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting one. I also feel um, like... Yeah. Sorry, I also oh, feel like yeah. nudity necessarily isn't as much of an issue in that way because, like, nude beaches and nude modeling like like for like artists and stuff like nudity I mean definitely has been kind of negative throughout time but I think it's more the sexual aspect of it like you are paying like someone's paying you to like be very sexual towards them and like grind on them and stuff and like people think you're like selling your dignity and stuff like that in a way that isn't exactly the same in terms of just nudity of in and of itself so to play my devil's advocate a little bit um not really just to, you know, like, what do you say to people who say you're selling your dignity or kind of like allowing yourself to be objectified? I mean, it's, it's difficult because a lot of people, I've only met a few that have said that, but most people with that mindset can't really see any way I would defend it as valid. But, um, and I mean, it is definitely very tolling mentally to do dances and stuff like that. But I just tell them, like, I'm taking control of my sexuality. Like, I'm choosing when and where I'm sexualized and how. I'm enforcing boundaries. I'm gaining confidence in myself. And not just because people are like, oh, you're so pretty or whatever, but because, like, I'm getting better at telling people when to stop, telling them what my boundaries are, telling them what I'm okay with and what I'm not in ways that I wasn't really comfortable doing before. And although it definitely takes a mental toll, like it's the, like I'm taking control of it. I'm not letting it can take control of me. I'm telling, like, I'm deciding when and where I want this to happen. Yeah. That, that sounds incredibly empowering. Like, yeah, absolutely. I can, I I can't even imagine, think of another industry that you truly have that much like autonomy and able to like, be able to like say, like say your own things like that. Cause Even, like, the you talked about timing-wise, like, how long do you usually, like, stay on the shift for? Like, because obviously you have the eight hours, which is typical in every other job. I mean, again, like, you can come and leave whenever you want, but I usually come in at open and stay until close, so it's about seven hours. 
hmm. which is sure. kind of long, but it's it passes by very quickly for sure. And kind of, so you said you have to like, like pay out the club. How does like your pay work? Is it all tips? Does the club pay you a wage or? Um, so at least at the club I work at, I know it works differently at different ones, but relatively the same. You keep your tips that you get from dances or stage, all that money is yours. Um, and then from dances, you get a portion. It's around half usually of what they spend and the rest goes to the club and to the bouncers. Cause they like watch you through the dance and make sure the guys aren't like trying anything with you and they like protect you in that way. So you get about half of that and they give you that in cash and then you just tip out the house i usually tip out like i pay house fee which is about 15 dollars, and then i tip out about 20 dollars to different people so it's really not that much yeah Um, i mean only 15 dollars just seems really low which is great when you come yeah because it can go up to like 60 if you come really late or something okay is, how long, how, what time are, like, the club up until, like, is that, like, a really late job? It seems like, or is it, like, two, three, something like Um, I mean, my sleep schedule has definitely taken a, ne- <laughs> a, a bad turn because, so the club usually closes around two, but then by the time everyone clears out and we're all set to leave, it's, like, 2.30, and then I usually stop for food on the way home, so usually I don't get to bed until at least four, and... On work nights, which kind of chokes on my sleep schedule a little bit, but but sleeping on a ca- sleeping on a cash full of or a pillow full of cash that is, yeah. The money is very variable. I will say that really. It's I've had nights where I've gone home with basically nothing for mm-hmm. seven hours of work. Like I've gone home with like twenty bucks. If like almost no one comes in, it's. Like, you go home with almost nothing. But I've also had nights where I've gone home with, like, way, way too much for what I did that night. <laughs> so, like, it's very variable, and you never know until you get there. Is that, um, to harken back to what you said a little bit ago, a little bit ago too, is that, like, where um, potential other, like, lines of, uh, where you talk about, like, OnlyFans, is that most, like, to supplement that income, too? Or is that mostly out of, like, uh, you would a lot of the other dancers going to do this stuff? Not, I'd say... Not a lot of dancers do OnlyFans, but a decent amount. Um, I don't see it personally as a supplement, like a supplemental income. It's kind of just like, it's extra if I want it, and I put in the effort that I feel like putting in that month. So some some months I won't post anything at all, and I won't really do much. And some months I'll put a ton of effort in and try and market it. And it's just kind of like, if I have extra time and effort, then I'll make some money off of it, but I don't really need that income necessarily. That's uh, yeah. It's it's interesting to me because you talked about like some of the other girls uh, doing that. So I was I was uh, just I was wondering if that was mostly like a, a common experience or not. But um, is that like when you also started that? Was about the seven eight like when you first started the club? Is that when you started the OnlyFans stuff too, or is that before that? Um, I actually started my OnlyFans. So I've been relatively like I've been selling nudes and other sexual stuff like that for over a year. Um, just kind of every once in a while, a little bit, but I started my OnlyFans in January because I now had like a platform. Like I have a stripper Instagram with like four or five hundred followers, and like I can post my OnlyFans in there. Like before, I didn't know how I would market it without like 
showing everyone who I was, who like knew me and they could find it. Um, but now I had a way to market it. And I think a lot of the girls think the same thing. Like it's almost just an extension of their job already. They aren't doing things that much different. Um, so it's just like, why not make more income? And it's totally like within their own boundaries if they want to do it or not. But like, it's not much different than what we're already doing. That makes sense. I mean, because um, I know there's obviously the, the variations between uh, there's kind of obviously everything's on the spectrum and stuff like that in terms of like sex work and everything like that. But um, would you consider either or to be more, um, I don't want to use the word aggressive, but more into the sex work industry than the other one? Or would you consider them both kind of the similar scales, like at the end of the day, like uh, showing off is showing off kind of thing? I mean, I would personally say that like, I mean, both are sex work in my eyes, 100%. Like, they're both sex work, but I would say stripping is more aggressive in that way because it is a lot more dangerous. Um, And you're, you're like, one-on-one with these people. Like, they touch you, you touch them. Like, you're right next to them, and it's a lot more intense. Whereas, like, recording yourself doing something sexual is different than doing something sexual with a person. Um. It's a lot more personal and it can be a lot more mentally tolling because like you're looking at this person while you're grinding on them. Whereas in your other video, you're like just doing something and then you're sending it. Like it's more mentally draining. It's more, takes more effort, but it's also more rewarding. Like it's, 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 it's very different, but also similar in the same way. I don't know if that makes sense. (laughs) No, yeah, that that totally makes sense. You talk about like, um, kind of talking back a little bit, um, Obviously, your anonymity is a very important uh, way of, like, keeping yourself safe. And you talk about, you know, the bouncers kind of watch you while you're in the rooms. Is there – do they do anything to kind of, like – like, when you're leaving the club at the end of the night, like, to make sure that nobody's, like, following you or anything? So, luckily for us, the club that I work at is kind of in the middle of nowhere. So, it's not, like, really within walking distance, which is good. I don't know how they do it when their clubs are within walking distance of, like – like, if it's in a city, like, I don't know how they protect against that. But we have, like, a cop-for-hire type situation who checks the parking lot. And anyone who is waiting for an Uber or is waiting for anything like that, like, they set them aside and they watch them while we go and, like, head home. So they just make sure there's no one in the parking lot that can get us. And then anyone that is there is, like, being watched, you know? Okay. Is that... um uh that that's very very important for sure i think that also might that i, I think that's like what the the stated reason of mostly like and obviously it's a different level of the actual like prostitution wise of it to like like the old school image of like uh like a corridor gta prostitutes on the side of the street um but i think that's very important in the sense of like the more you regulate like the sex work industry specifically the safer you can make it and the like more it actually becomes like perceived and obviously it is on uh as real as a real form of income and like a real job because obviously there's security guards at banks there's security guards at different office buildings uh so being able to like it's kind of the same way with abortion like taking away abortion or taking away someone's right to like sexually express themselves for work and stuff like that for income only makes it just more dangerous in the sense of like yeah people are still going to do abortions whether they're just like baseball bat or coat hanger or someone's going to have to take or has someone's been offered a Craigslist ad for a stripper for $50, like an hour or something like that. It's obviously a lot more dangerous. So it's the regulation aspect of it to me. That's very interesting. Yeah. And like, 
I was, I'm 100% for, like, the legalization of prostitution, but when talking with um, one of my coworkers, he mentioned, like, one of the bouncers, he mentioned that if prostitution was legalized, like, nationwide, stripping would kind of not really be a thing anymore, or not as much, because of, like, if why hire a stripper when you can or why go to a strip club when you can like go to a brothel or you know like why do the let when you have to like just watch someone when you can go like have sex with someone and like stripping would just become a lot less of a thing and strippers would be pressured into joining prostitution and it's just i don't know it's really interesting to me Uh, that's you made a good point about you know strippers being pressured into prostitution so i'm gonna play devil's advocate a little bit um Historically speaking, sex work in general, but prostitution more specifically, is an incredibly exploitative field. Uh, you know, I, and I agree with Cameron one hundred percent. You know, it's that regulation would help that immensely. I mean, it would pretty much solve the problem. But you know, this idea of pipping out and usually younger girls kind of being forced or pressured um, into these roles by you know whoever forcing them into doing it. Like, do you see that? Like, you know, it's like a potential counter. It's like, you know, like by making prostitution illegal, we're preventing young girl, more young girls from being pressured into the situation. Rephrase your question. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, that's okay. Cause I didn't phrase it very well. Um, do you think that like, no, I did not. No, I, I kind of lost my own train of thought halfway through or it was an incomplete thought. Uh, my bad. <laughs> do you think that by, legalizing prostitution it will kind of have the same effect as it did when like they didn't crack down on it as much that young girls will be kind of pressured into doing it even though they don't want to no i want to say it would be less because if it is regulated i mean if it's legalized it is regulated meaning that they would probably have some sort of like hr in a sense of in certain terms, not necessarily like you would in an office setting, but like they would make sure people feel safe and they would make sure they're doing okay. And you would feel more comfortable leaving that prostitution business to go to a different one if it wasn't treating you well, because there aren't people that feel like, oh, well, you're just a prostitute. You're already illegal anyways. We can like keep you or kidnap you or kill you or something like that, you know? Well, I remember, I remember, I know, I have no idea if the statistic is actually true. I've just heard it on Criminal Minds so many times. It's like the number one serial killer like target is prostitution as of right now, or like our prostitutes because they're just easy to pick up. But now I, this might be just my worldview and everything like that. I haven't, I've only seen a handful of like a side, side of the street, like actual, like, hey, roll down your car kind of thing, like a Fred John. Like, I feel like it's transitioned a lot online. Is that like, is that my alone experience or is like that? And how you guys jive with it too? No, I mean a hundred percent. It's definitely a lot more online. I have personally seen websites where you can hire prostitutes. I also a lot of my friends. Link will be in the bio. Don't worry. <laughs> a lot of my friends at the club, their friends are like have been prostitutes, have been murdered, have been like I don't know. It's I've seen a lot of that and most of it is online. Like you have like an Instagram and I cannot tell you how many offers I get for prostitution on my Instagram and in the club. Like it's, 
I think it isn't as much side of the street thing because there are so many more discreet ways to try and hire prostitutes and that. They try they they try to press the Y button in GTA, like take the stripper home with them, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You have no idea how often that happens. Oh, I could see and, it. And the prices they give me are so insulting. <laughs> Those <laughs> bastards! They can at least give you a fair rate. Yeah, they're like just like come home, like just hang out with me, or like the fact that a lot of them will try and hide that they're looking for a prostitute because they'll be like, oh, like do you want to hang out outside the club? And like no, but I'm gonna like I'll like talk to them about it. And I'll be like, oh, like, you just want to hang out, like, no sexual things at all? Like, just go on, like, a date, no sexual things? And they're like, well, I don't know. And I was like, well, I'm not a prostitute. And they're like, oh, I'm not looking for a prostitute. And I was like, okay, so dates, no sex. Then they're like, well, maybe we could. Like, they're embarrassed to say it, some of the time, at least. I I could see that. I, I definitely think it's, in our society, something that's been incredibly stigmatized. Um, it's kind of... Harken back on my devil's advocate thing um, with Cameron talking about, uh, you know, like prostitutes getting murdered at like an abnormal rate by serial killers and whatnot. How do you think we could do prostitution in like a safe way? Like, or like, cause you know, like say you want to go to a brothel and hire a prostitute, you know, you two go into a room to do whatever he so desires with that time. You know, obviously you have boundaries set, but, uh, how do you enforce those? Like, do you have somebody always watching or? I mean, yeah, I would say that's probably the best option, honestly. Um, it is Body just... camps. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Famously, that I works mean... so well for the police. Famously. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> But the only difference um, is everyone would want to watch the body cam footage of the other one. Um, I mean, I feel like, yeah, uh, possibly watching or just, uh, like, not having closed, closed doors and, like, have, I don't know. It's difficult, for sure. It would be a difficult area because, but even in, like, stripping, when they don't have bouncers watching all the time, like, they, they don't have that in all clubs. The girls just kind of have to stand up for themselves. And it's sucky for sure because sometimes it's difficult. But some clubs do handle it that way and it doesn't seem terrible. Although some of my friends have been sexually assaulted in those clubs. So maybe I'll leave that up for debate. Is um, So bouncing off that like, that terrible real, like realization, like that terrible reality that a lot of people do have to face and everything like, in this industry... Have the people like uh, your friends that like dance at other clubs too? Have they said that this one is specifically safer than a lot of other ones, or is it uh, on par, or is it like what would you say? Like, like I know you talked about a lot that it is safe, but like, is it about the same, or is it a lot more safe? It is probably the safest, but sometimes like they follow the rules a little too much in the way of like they crack down on a lot of different things that don't necessarily need to be cracked down on, but more rules is better than less 100 percent um but it's not to say that all other clubs suck at following the rules i mean there definitely are some that are really bad and just let things happen that shouldn't happen um but there are a lot of other good clubs that are a little bit less strict but still safe for sure do you think there should be some sort of like either be it state federal law or like regulatory body that like or, like, set, like, state laws that set, like, a minimum amount of rules for these kind of clubs, or should it be up to each club to decide? There are 
generally, I believe, like, in, legally speaking, at least in Wisconsin, I'm pretty sure, from what I've heard around the club, there are general rules for what's allowed and what's not allowed, like, where you can touch and where you can't touch. There are a few areas that are, like, legally you can't, and then there are some that are up to the club. Um... the question was <laughs> uh, it's like do you think there should be uh like do you like do you agree that you know like or should the state laws be stricter to you know kind of protect the girls or should it be up to the club or should it be up to each individual girl like what she's comfortable with i think a mix is best because i think that there are some like laws some like things that should be illegal like federally like for a club to allow like the club shouldn't allow the men to, like, touch, like, right between the women's legs. Like, I feel like that's just a boundary that shouldn't be pushed in a strip club unless, like, prostitution is legalized or something like that. But in a strip club in and of itself, I feel like that's not really something that should be, should be allowed. And then club-wise, I understand if they want to enforce more boundaries because it's a classier club or if it's a, you know, like, depending on the club itself, what it, think fit, what it thinks fits with its vibe. And then also personal boundaries, 100%. So kind of just a mix of all three, becoming more and more strict every level you go in, depending on the club and the person. Um, with like, you know, you talked about your club lets you kind of, you know, they have their general rules, but if you want to be more strict, you can. Is that something you found is generally shared among clubs or is that something kind of specific to yours? I believe it's, it is generally shared among clubs from what I've learned. I mean, from what I've like heard around and such. Um I mean, there are some expectations a little bit. Like, if you go into a dance, you're expected to at least, like, like sit on the guy's lap or at least, like, grind on him a little bit. Like, there are kind of general expectations, but if you don't do those things, the club doesn't really care a lot about the customer's, like, satisfaction necessarily. Like, they want them to have a good time, but, like, They'd rather their dancers be comfortable than their customers have a good time, if that makes sense. In most cases, or at least where I work at. Okay. Yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah, absolutely. That's how it should be. I know you mentioned it a while back, um, but we, we were talking about just potential things to bounce off each other earlier. Um, do you think that your uh, yours or even any, like, if you have any other experiences like, like with your fellow dancers and stuff like that, do you think that this line of work has impacted like personal life stuff like is it harder to date is that like a thing that comes by and or does your family kind of know and like what is like the 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 social implications of the job and stuff so luckily for me i have not met a lot of people that are very judgmental of my work um i think that maybe because i don't tell people unless i'm pretty sure they'll be okay with it because i just, I don't know, just how that would result. I assume being a stripper makes you have to have some pretty good, like, you can read people pretty well. <laughs> yeah, and I've only actually told people I maybe shouldn't have a few times, but also I'm not told my family. They're Christian, conservative, and I mean, I've told my sisters, but not like my parents or my more extended family, except for the time my cousin came into the club and I had to tell him, which was a whole moment. <laughs> Um, please please don't tell me he ordered you for a dance though because that that, we're not qualified to talk about that here we need a couple degrees 
No, I had to message him on Messenger and just be like, Hey, uh, I work here. Could you please leave? And I was, like, crying in the back. That was a whole moment. Um, but in terms of dating, I mean, anytime I really tell someone that I'm a stripper, they either just see me really sexually after that as more of a sex object, or they like they see it as a really big like red flag and they don't really know how to like approach it or like it's just weird to them because I I mean I have met people who have dated strippers before and usually they're a lot better at handling it but some people just don't know how to handle it because they think we're a lot more emotionally and sexually involved in our work than we really are so people are just so much like so both both immature and it's also like an insecurity thing too like oh my, my girlfriend can't show off her like body and stuff like that it's only to me like it's not, it's not it's not a property thing man you don't own you don't own her she's her own individual person like let her do what she wants to do kind of shit it doesn't it doesn't make any sense yeah i mean part of me almost understands because like you are grinding on men feeling them get hard while you're grinding on them and like having them talk sexually to you all the time and like, in most relationships, that would be considered cheating. But because it's work, I mean, I don't think that that is cheating. I think dating a sex worker isn't a bad thing. Because I know, at least for me and for a lot of people I know, it's just a very professional thing to us. Like, we might act sexual, but we aren't actually sexually involved. Like, we're just working. Um, are, are a lot of, uh, like, fellow dancers, like, uh, dating, married, single? Is that, like, what is most common? I'd say about... A little over half are dating or married. Um, and a decent amount of them have kids. Some have a lot of kids. Some only have one. A decent amount have been to jail. Not a lot, a lot. But a decent amount. Because, like, this is one of the few jobs where they don't really care if you've been to jail. Yeah, I, I can imagine. So kind of like a tattoo artist and stuff like that. Like, it's another example of... I would personally say like personalized freedom, like expressive expressiveness. Cause in, in, in essence, stripping is art hundred percent. It's like taught in like art class and stuff like that. I know you had mentioned to a couple of other roommates about like showing them lessons and stuff like that. So it is like a teachable art kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I want to, I hundred percent in this in sense of like anyone that has gone to prison to is definitely not judged based off of that. Um, have a second chance after hundred percent. And I'm very glad that there is an industry that does that. Cause there are a lot that are completely after, after that is on your record, it's over. Yeah. I mean, they, they don't really care about your past that much at all because if you come in, they're getting paid for you working. So like, there's not much risk if they hire you most of the time. So like, if you've been to jail, who cares? As long as you don't kill someone on the job, like, you know what I mean? Like they just don't, like, they don't really have much other than their reputation slightly to uphold. Like, they don't really care how well you do. I mean, they want you to do dances because they got a cut of that. But, like, you could lounge around and they're still getting paid for you, you know? Nice. Is there um, is there an element? I don't, I don't know the specific, like, specifics of your club specifically. I know I've heard from, like, different ones and everything like that. Is this, like, a... Is there more of a costume aspect of it, too? Like, do you have to wear wigs or anything like that? Or certain people, like, request certain outfits? Or is it mostly just what what you're wearing, who you are, go for it? It varies a lot. I know some women there who do wear wigs. Most don't. Um, 
Some will wear costumes, some just wear like basic lingerie. Some will wear like like short dresses. Some will like you can kind of just wear whatever you want. Um and some customers will request certain outfits, but I don't have many. I think I have one that would request one every once in a while, but like it's really up to you and everyone has their own style of how they dress and how they dance and how they act with people. Some put on personas, some are just purely themselves. I tend to be more myself, although sometimes I'll like try and be more social or play up my personality a bit, try and make it more interesting. But like, I'm just generally myself and a lot of people are, some put on personas and I mean, it's all respectful. You're just working, you're trying to make money, you know? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Griffin, um, do you have any other questions for our, our guest this week? Not that I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah. Then, um, yeah, I, uh, Kayla, thank you for taking the time to talk to us. It's been a very, very informed, like, uh, very interesting uh, conversation for sure. Word a lot. This has been great. And I truly yeah, hope that we can share this with a bunch of other people and get people to see that, yeah, uh, on June 5th, every year should be a national celebrated holiday because uh, sex work is 100% work. And if anything, in my opinion, it's harder work than a lot of other work for sure. Because like I said, I, I've i tried. It's one job I didn't get my entire life. So I'll, I'll keep trying, but maybe you can put in, put in a word like this uh, at sex work CEO kind of thing. But um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Kayla, thank you for taking the time and uh, I look forward to ha- uh, talking with you some more sometime. Of course. Thanks for having me. Of course. Um, but other than that, Griffin, I, I think that we, uh, I do want to talk a little bit about the pen stuff and, uh, just a, a little bit, very, very briefly before we'll end it, we'll end it a little bit earlier today, but, um, to wrap up a little bit more political stuff, cause obviously this is coming in very recently as of this morning, we, we talked, we talked about this, um, today and I just, we've seen so we've now have, a, we now have a field of eight people, obviously very unrelated to what we were talking about, but we now have a field of eight people. I think in the Republican primary field, like for the 2024 presidential race. And I, I just, get, we got to put this on the record because I want to talk to you about it in the sense of like, what, what are they doing? Like, what are, what are these people, what are these seven other people besides Donald Trump? Cause he is the only one that has a chance, a chance in a, like anyone has a chance of getting that nomination. What, what are these people like Tim Scott, Mike Pence, even Ron, even little Rhonda, like he, little Rhonda. He, he's literally like, uh, they're just they're campaigning they're they're using their own personal funds and obviously they're using a lot of like donated funds too because like in the first 24 hours of his campaign to san the sanctimonious raised uh, like 8.6 million dollars something like that like so what is your opinion Do you, what is going on here uh i think part of it um absolutely is like a money grab they want to fundraise and I think it's half fundraising for half kind of feeling the waters for 28. They want to see, I think they want to see how well they poll. They know, they know they're not going to get it, but they want to see how well they poll against the other candidates for like a potential 28 run maybe, or like, uh, I just, I don't know. Cause yeah, cause it's over. Like you're not going to be Trump. He already has the nomination. The, the question becomes, and we can obviously place bets on this too, because I'm sure that we will. And there's obviously, there's, do you know that there's actually a lot of like political betting websites? Like you bet I'm on sure like are. political, yeah. Like uh, when my uh, my co-leader of like our political club here, he like showed me this thing on election night because we watched the midterms together. Because obviously it was a fun night, best night of the year, and uh, we were watching him together. And he had a couple bets out there. Like he had bets on like it was like fifty cent, fifty cent over on like if. Uh, Pennsylvania was going to go blue and it had like the odds running and everything like that. He made like 300 bucks that night. It was insane. Jesus. 
that's what I'm saying. Like, if we can get into that, like, forget crypto trading, man. We're going we're gonna to do some political <laughs> This trading. is no longer a political podcast. It's a betting podcast about politics. Yeah, that would be, that. it's like Wall Street bets, but like the real one kind of thing. Yeah, it's crazy to think that like White House that, bets. Yeah, that whole thing was like two years ago already. Like the whole yeah. GameStop shit. That, that this forever ago. Incredible. But yeah, um, I just want to mention that. I, I know that uh, Gail was uh, very much the star of this episode, and we'll wrap it up here pretty quick. I just wanted to get that out there because I forgot to talk about it before. But uh, do you have anything else you'd like to say to our viewers? This oh, we'll we'll, we'll talk about Pride, and we'll talk about Pride next week for sure. Yeah, we'll, we'll have a whole Pride special. It is going to be one fantastic month of June because we have had a lot of just conservatives just seething, foaming at the mouth, if you will, at the chance to just, it's their Christmas. They're ready to go. We're ready to talk about it with them, and it's going to be a great time. But uh, I, I wish, yeah. for all our potentially uh, conservative viewers out there, I wish you an incredibly uncomfortable June. <laughs> there, as long we got to cancel the sun. The sun is making rainbows through water mist. Cancel water. It's making, it's making water gay. The water's I'm gonna, I'm gonna boycott water. I mean, and what I have to say to that? Please. Yes, go for it, man. If, if Please you don't boycott wanna, water. Boycott water. Go. You, you have a great time. I drink. You can't drink. You can't drink. Drink Bud Light. You can't drink water. It's, it's soon enough, man. I mean, that's your decision. Ninety hours, or you refuse to drink something that's gay. So, but yeah, I think that'll probably be it for this episode. I think episode sixteen or whatever it is, season two of T- Hot TLGR Summer. I've been Cameron. And I've been Griffin. God, we forget every week. Griffin, how was your week, man? It was good. Um, it was busy. Uh, I had Monday off, but, uh, you know, I moved this last weekend, which sucked because it was, like, 95 degrees with, like, 80% humidity, but... Yeah, it was really hot here, too. Like, stepping outside was a no-go. We we took the smart room, smart move and played video games and the air conditioning, so, like, that's how you're supposed uh, to spend summer. I, uh, unfortunately, don't have air conditioning because it's not supposed to be this hot in Grand Forks. The fact that um, we've had, like... Our coldest day of the year was like negative sixty, and now it's been in the nineties. So it's very upsetting. But you don't you have like central air or something like that? No. Hmm. But no. All right. Well, I wanted to ask that anyway. But yeah, this has been TLGR, and uh, we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.